space. The final frontier. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to one. Yes, it is Friday. We like to get a little spacey on Friday, as you know. And the story we've been following pretty closely and, and talking about quite a bit is the James Webb Space Telescope. He's still keeping up to speed with that. We get new information every once in a while. Uh, we've had a bunch of guests on talking about it since it launched last year. It's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, the promise was it would give us never-before-seen views of deep space, and it's been promised that a whole new understanding of the universe and its origins could arise from this. This week, a few new and very cool findings were announced, including something about an exoplanet. So let's find out about that. We're going to chat with Stan Metchev. Stan is a professor and the Canada Research Chair, an expert on exoplanets. Stan, thank you for joining us. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Gannam. So uh, this week, uh, pretty impressive discoveries made. We're talking about an exoplanet. To start, what's an exoplanet, Stan? An exoplanet. So we know all the planets in the solar system, there's eight of them. Other stars have planets like much like the sun does. So any planet that's around a star that's not our sun, so a planet outside our solar system is called an exoplanet or an extrasolar planet. Excellent. Okay. Now, from what I was, you know, I was reading about this this discovery here. I mean, it, it's not necessarily a discovery because we were pretty sure that the exoplanet was there. So, so what changed this week? The uh, well, the confidence with which the astronomers have actually now been able to detect this particular exoplanet has really been uh, much higher. There was a hint of this extrasolar planet in uh, a space telescope data from NASA's uh, Transit Exoplanet Survey Satellite, another one of NASA's telescopes. But the JWST, the James Webb Telescope, is really much more sensitive. So uh, the, I mean, the particularly exciting thing that it nailed was the fact that this planet is almost exactly the Earth's size. It's 99% of the Earth radius. So in terms of size, it's like an Earth twin. Wow. Okay, so that's pretty exciting then, just on its own right then, right? Absolutely, yes. These are the kinds of planets that we're very interested in finding, Earth-like planets around other stars. When we say Earth-like, is it, is, is it just the size? Like, how much can we tell? What can the James Webb Space Telescope tell us about this exoplanet? That's a very good question, Mr. Adam. Um What the James Webb did and what that other observatory that NASA uh, had could not do is that James Webb actually took a spectrum of the uh, planet and the star as the planet was going right in front of the star. So then what happens is that some of the light from the star gets refracted through the planet's atmosphere, if the planet has an atmosphere. So then that refracted light, we can, we can disperse that light with a special instrument on a James Webb Space Telescope called NERSPEC. And that can tell us if the atmosphere has you know, water, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, methane, things that we're dealing with on Earth. So this kind of instrument, a spectrograph on James Webb, and James Webb is uniquely equipped in space uh, to have a very sensitive spectrograph to be able to tell us the content of the atmospheres of any Earth-like planets. No other telescope in space can do this. Wow, okay, so, so, so did it? Do we know what the atmosphere is comprised of, or does it take further study from here? Well, it's not as simple as, as we had hoped. This planet happens to be very close to us to its star, its orbital period is only two days, which is kind of crazy short, yeah. given that the Earth's orbital period is around, around the sun is you know, a full year, 365 days. So this planet is zipping around, and it's very close to its star, so it's actually a very hot planet. And uh, one can expect that this planet is either as hot as Venus and maybe has an atmosphere made of, made of carbon dioxide, 
or maybe just does not have an atmosphere at all. And the James Webb observations were able to say, well, it does not have water, it does not have carbon dioxide, uh, sorry, it does not have methane, but maybe, maybe actually might have a carbon dioxide atmosphere like Venus, but a further study will be necessary in this case. Okay, so James Webb can tell us that we, it's made, it's a rocky planet like Earth, it's roughly the same size, has some kind of atmosphere possibly, but we know already, based on where it's located, that it's, it, it's not probably, at least human life wouldn't survive there? No, that planet is baking. Right, exactly. Now, when does, like we say, it takes further study and further analysis, given the orbits and all that stuff, when might that happen again? Like, when does that happen? This, well, the discovery has to be first announced and approved by, you know, a refereeing process, which is what we do in science. And then the discovery team then has the option to try to observe this planet again. This takes, this may take about a year or two even to get the uh, repeat observations scheduled. And what they'll do is they'll actually use a different instrument than the James Webb Space Telescope that then would be sensitive to other kinds of molecules. And the molecule in question here that they still think may be in this atmosphere, the atmosphere may be made of carbon dioxide. So they would use a different instrument than James Webb to actually check for that. Interesting. Okay. Uh, one question here, I don't know if, if you just want to ignore it, go ahead. A listener saying, is this the, the, the planet X that we hear conspiracy theorists talking about? Is this, is this that planet? Oh, no, we're not quite close to that one. The planet <laughs> X should be in the solar system, so it would not be an extrasolar planet. Oh, okay, there you go. That's, that was yeah. the exoplanet. Gotcha, okay. I mean, there you go. <laughs> in terms of you know, exoplanets and, and James Webb, is the hope that there will be more discoveries like this? Absolutely. So, and, and what's really neat about the James Webb is that not only can it discover such planets, but it can actually see what their atmospheres Analyze are made of, and no other telescope can do that. Uh, for rocky planets around other stars. So the hope with the James Webb is actually we'll find some Earth-like planets that will have atmospheres, will, will be more temperate, much more like the Earth. You know, maybe they'll be right at around the freezing point of water, uh, which I understand in Edmonton you're quite below right now at minus 13, if I follow the yes, forecast. Yes, we are, yes, we are. <laughs> we're a little bit toastier here in London, Ontario, but just above freezing. So anyway, that's the kind of planet we're looking for, you know, that spans that freezing point of water, uh, that that's you know the, the, these are the Goldilocks conditions for life. Um, uh, one more, and I'll let you go in here. And I don't uh, the the exoplanet situation. Like, w why did we think there was a planet there? Why were we reasonably certain? And are we quite certain, or do we have suspicions that there's other ones in other locations that James Webb might be able to confirm for us? What's that process? So many questions. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm fascinated by this stuff. I really am. <laughs> Well, the discovery process takes, you know, at least months, uh, long periods. Uh, one has to observe the star, monitor it in this case, and if one is lucky to have a planetary system that's just so lined up that the planets happen to go in front of the star once in orbit, mm -hmm. we can actually see the brightness of the star dimming by just a little bit. Okay. In this case, the brightness of the star di dips by one thousandth of, of uh, no, point one percent, I should say, one part per thousand. So this is the kind of brightness dim that is uh, telling us there's a rocky planet around a star that's maybe not as big as the sun. Um, and then, uh, so there was a hint of this kind of small brightness uh, change in the test satellite from NASA, but because the brightness change is so small, that really was just a hint. Whereas with the improved sensitivity of the James Webb, you can really see the signal of the planet. It's like night and day. Um, so it's a, it's a very uh, certain discovery. Uh, from the James Webb. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. Stan, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.